Good afternoon from Southeast Asia, currently Manila. Tomorrow? We don't know. <laughs> don't know. Uh, this bed is too soft. This bed is too hard. This bed is just right. Haven't really found one just right yet. After 11 years. Okay. The U.S. was too hard and too soft, both at the same time. All right. Okay, this will be episode or volume number 20 of the Southeast Asia podcast, Chronicle Things. It's as good as it's ever going to get for a name. I don't know why. It's a mental block kind of a thing. I don't know why. We are here for the sole purpose of helping you decide, do you want to leave your comfy little country in the West somewhere? I mean, even Germany is the West, you know, from here. I mean, hell, you know, from here, Russia is the West. China is the West. Thailand is the West, you know, from here. Um, do you want to leave there? Leave the wifey and the 2.3 kids and the cat and the... Oh, no, take the cat. You can take the cat. Take the cat. That's the one thing you can't live without. <laughs> um, if you want to escape the Matrix, can you afford it? We'll talk about that. Uh, what are you going to find when you get here? Maybe it's going to be a waste of time. You know, don't sell your car right away. I didn't. <laughs> I, had a, I had a whole storage locker full of motorcycles. I kept them all for six months. Because I didn't know at any given moment if I was going back. And then finally I just realized with all of his troubles and foibles and problems, it was still better. That was in Thailand when I first went to Thailand. Okay. Um, I'm still a little bit under the weather. My voice is not strong. Nothing is strong. Uh... It's from two bad doctors and a crappy diet. Okay. Let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> years and years. Years of bad doctors and years of crappy diet. Okay, that'll do it. It's a bad combination. Oh, we got the monsoons again. Man, we are really getting nailed. Okay. Um, now, we started this whole endeavor with a plan of sorts. And we were kind of sort of following it for the first, I don't know, half a dozen episodes. And then what happened was, after every episode, way more people than I expected started writing in with all these wacky questions. And uh, truly about 85% of them were, were wacky. They were just whacked. And they got deleted into the corn. Um, but the 15% that remain still makes up, man, I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at a partial list here. I don't know. There must be 40 of them on here. Each one requires, you know, a, a pretty thorough reply, explanation. So, um, so I don't know what we're going to do. We're, we're, we're trying to, you know, crunch through these questions. And then when, when they're all gone, hold on, hold on. When they're done, we're mostly done, you know, then we'll, try to get back to the plan, I guess, but, um, okay, anyway, we have a new domain 
that will make it easier to come to these. Now, normally you would come to these by going to stockphotosworldwide.com. <clears throat> and by the way, everything is copyright. These and everything else is copyright 2023 by stockphotosworldwide.com. Um, if you see them hosted somewhere else, tell us. We'll sue them. We'll send you a third. Okay, I'm not going to elaborate. We will. We'll send you a third of the net proceeds. We've done it before. Tired of thieves. Um, anyway, the new domain, so that you don't have to go to stockphotosworldwide.com and then fish around for the link, the new domain is retiresoutheastasia.com. No underlines, no dashes, no nothing. Just a simple string, retire, southeast, well, it's S-E, you know, <laughs> Retire Southeast Asia dot com. Okay, that'll take you right to this page. Forever. Okay, or you can go to the RSS feeds. Uh, I don't know. I don't know much about them. We have never really, you know, tried to develop them or anything. Um, just do a search. You know, if, if you like RSS, they're audio only, no video. Uh, means they probably stream faster if you have a crappy phone, you know, whatever. Um, there's, there's not much of a reason that we could ever see. They have a video with these. We don't have guests or anything. Don't have dancing cats. Although that's a possibility, you know. Um, so what the hell is there to look at? You know, there's nothing. But when we started experimentally doing the video... Geez, the hits went up like seven, eight hundred percent. So we thought, what the hell is this? And and then we thought, well, that can't be right. And so for a while, we took the videos off, went back to plain audio. It's went down, but the video's back. It's went up. So I, I guess we're just stuck with video now forever. I don't know. I don't like it myself. I don't like it really. It, it makes it hard to do stuff, you know. <laughs> whining and whining. Okay. So, here we go. We're going to start fishing our way through these questions. Jeez, I, I, I'm kind of worried that they're just never going to end. I mean, I'm not going to do duplicates unless I do it accidentally. Uh, people have good questions. Um, the guys... It's mostly guys who come to Southeast Asia, and most of the guys who come to Southeast Asia want to find a girl, either a quick and easy girl or a good girl. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what could be in between. There's really nothing. There's good ones and bad ones. Okay, period. That's all there is. Um, most of the guys want to come here and get quick and easy girls, right off, first day. And they don't really have any plan to do anything with them, although pretty often they get sucked into trying to do something, you know, semi-permanent with them. But of course, that never, ever, ever, ever works. And we've talked about that a lot. We're going to talk about it more. Um, and they figure, well, you know, they'll, they'll just take a bunch of quick and easy girls for a while. And uh, 
I'll see how that goes. And then, they, you know, while they're messing around doing that, they'll look for a quote-unquote good one for, you know, maybe long-term marriage or something. They're not sure, whatever. So that's, that's the plan. That's the game plan of a lot of guys. This one wants to know what are the ways you can trick girls to see if they really love you. Okay, now. You can do that. Should you do that? Hell yes. I used to think that would be wrong. Immoral. Immoral. Um, you know, a real relationship is not based on tricking girls, you know, to see what they're really up to. Well, no, it's not based on that. But in order for you to know if you want to even pursue a real relationship, you got to know if they're tricking you first. Um, here's a story. You know, I had one. No, I have 50. I have 50. I'll tell this one right now. I met a girl long time ago, long, long time ago in Thailand. And she was everything I wanted physically. I loved her. Um, I thought, because I was stupid, I thought that the way she looked somehow magically extended into her soul and her character. Oh, you stupid idiot. Stupid falang, stupid white man. What a dumbass. Okay. Some of us learn that lesson quicker than others. An awful lot of us never learn that lesson. Okay, learn it. Learn it. Outside has nothing to do with the inside. Inside has nothing to do with the outside. Okay. Suck it up. Choke it down. It's the way it is. Uh, God. It's, it's one of the hardest things we as guys will ever learn in our lives. Some girls have figured this out too, but not all, fortunately. <laughs> so, I met this girl. She was not a bar girl. She had never been to bar. Uh, I knew her family. She was from way up north, Thailand. And she had okay English, passable. If it's passable, then you can work on it. Um... They gotta have enough English to say, okay, would you like to practice some English now? And, and they understand it. If, if they can't even understand that, then, then life is just that much more difficult. So we talked for quite a while online, um, video chat, the whole bit. And I was starting to think, huh, well, I don't know, maybe she's, she's got some possibilities, maybe, I don't know. And at the time, I was living in a huge condo up above the beach, uh, three bedrooms, really nice, really upscale, really huge. I was paying a uh, thousand bucks a month. Uh, really upscale, nice. Maybe not as nice as it gets, but pretty darn nice. Up there in the 85, 90% percentile of nice. And I, I said, well, okay, if you think you might possibly be serious because I, I was I was way beyond the days of giving them money. Learned that, been there, done that, you know. God, 
geez, I'll slap you with a ping pong paddle. You give one buck. You hire me to be, be your 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 bodyguard. I'll go around with you and I'll carry a ping pong paddle. You know, like velcroed to my hand. And every time you try to give him one buck, I whack, whack, side of the face. You know, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> and I'll enjoy it because I'll be saving you. See, that's that's my that's my gift to you. <laughs> and it's fun for me too. You can't hit back, you know, that'd be in the contract. Okay. So I told her a few times, if you think you might be serious, you can come and visit me. You know, I got extra bedrooms, um, extra motorbike you can ride, whatever, you know, come on down. And a few weeks later, she did. And I thought, oh, okay. Well, that's okay. Let's let's see let's see what's going to happen here. You know, see if she's housebroken, because you're just not going to be able to tell much from video chats. I don't care. You chat five times a day for two years. You're you're not going to get the full story from a video chat. It's going to help. It's going to be a big thing, and it's a necessary thing. You have to do it, but it's not going to tell you the whole story at all. So she came down on her dime. She'd been working, making really good money. She was like a regional manager for a big operation that sold stuff. Yeah, okay. Um, so she came down, showed up, and I gave her a room. And then, you know, that began the process of getting to know each other. So we talked a lot. Got used to each other's accents a little bit. Watched a lot of TV, went out, ate a lot, motorbiked around. Um, you know, she had her own shower, she had her own washing machine, even she had everything. Um, and I was starting to think, well, hmm, hmm, maybe, you know, she hasn't done anything Frankenstein-ish yet. Yet time, you know. My rule is, in 30, I'm sorry, in 90 days... You're going to know something. That's kind of a milestone for me. If you make it 90 days and it is in your head to continue beyond the 90 days, then that means something. That means there's a possibility. If you get to the 90 days and you're thinking, no, 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 I, I, and you start to look for ways to get out of it, then get out of it. You know, you're just wasting her time and yours. Just get the hell out. Just slip out the back jack. 90 days is, uh, for some reason, it's kind of an important time period. Um, we went about three weeks. And we were sitting on the couch watching TV, just talking about nothing, just general chit-chat. And all of a sudden, she launched into me like a rabid tiger. It was some little thing. It was some teensy little thing that I had said, I think, that she didn't even understand correctly, but she, of course she thought she did because she was Thai. Um, and she just launched just all claws out, razor claws, just slashing me to smithereens. And I didn't even fight back. I just sat there and I thought, what the, what the, what's going on here? 
you know, it's some kind of psychosis. What the hell is going on? I didn't argue. Nothing. I, I just want to see where she would take this and how it was going to end. And my notion was, once she calmed down, five minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, I don't know, once she calmed down, my notion was to pack her up, put her in a cab, go home. Here's some money, go home. We're done. Now, in any other case, I would do that. And I've done it many times before. I had never had one that crazy. Off the rails. I'd never had one that crazy. Especially in the first three weeks. And she had been perfectly fine up to then. Reasonable, intelligent, calm. Just fine. Um, so she wound down after, it took her a while, it took her a good half hour of just berating me in every possible way there was. Um, and since I didn't argue, she flamed out eventually. She just flamed out. Uh, and I just sat there. I go, what the hell? What the hell just happened here? And I, and I, and I, I have a habit of ending relationships too quickly. There's a reason for it. Uh, it's called, called being smart and being tired of the bullshit. You know, that's part of the reason. There's, there's other reasons for it. Um, and so my intentions stayed the same. Uh, you know, my instinct was screaming, back her, back her up, back her up, get her up now, tonight. It was, this was like 10 o'clock at night. I didn't care. Back her up, get her out. Because this is bullshit. It's not going to happen again in my life. Nothing like this had ever happened in my life before. Nothing to that extent for less reason. Uh, there were two problems. One was she was drop-dead gorgeous. Stunning, stunning, stunning. Fion, any girlfriend I'd ever had. That was problem number one. Problem number two was... I was beginning to have real genuine feelings for her. That's when you take that ping pong paddle out of its little pouch and you beat yourself silly half to death with that damn thing. That's when you do it right there. What I did do was I said, okay, okay, dumbass, sleep on it. Be really, really, really sure. Maybe in the morning you can talk about this and maybe figure out what triggered her. Was that the first time she ever went crazy? Is she going to do it again a week or two down the road? Uh, you know, try to get to some rational bottom of it. So we went to bed. She went way over to her side. I went way over to my side. Didn't talk. Uh, in the morning, we got up, showered, breakfast. I said, okay, let's have a talk. Okay, she she knew she she was going to happen. She knew it, and so I very calmly and gently confronted her with this insanity from the night before. I said, "What, what, what the hell? What the hell was that?" And her best explanation was, "Well, first of all, she defended def defended her insanity. That was a bad sign. 
because it was truly insanity. There was no reason at all for any 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 of her tirade. And then she kind of softened up. Um, she was really really smart, and she could read my mind pretty well. And she softened up, and she said, "Well, you know, okay, I, I know that sometimes I'm not good. You know, I, I can try to be good." Because I know I'm not really. Uh, and after all that, it wasn't enough. Even though her looks were beyond anything I'd ever experienced, and I was beginning to feel the first little tinkly feelings of... Mm, can't say it. O-V-E. O-V-E. Okay, that's that's close as I'm going to get. Um, but I do have some self-respect. Quite a bit. And I told her, I'm sorry. We're done. Not going to work. I need you to pack your things. And I'll put you in a cab right now. You know, take you 30, 60 minutes maybe. She didn't have that much. Um, and I thought she would be sad. And maybe try to talk her way out of it. But I was resolute. I was done. The decision was made. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to subject myself to that shit in this life. I mean, that, that's a trait of an American woman or a Western woman. I won't deal with it. I won't. I don't care what else is going on. I don't do insanity. And she got that I was serious. And she started crying. Well, okay, you know, Thai girls can cry on cue. They're really good at it. It's claim to fame. Everybody knows this. Uh, some of them are more convincing than others. Um, it's fairly rare that it's actually real. can be, but... So she slinked down to the floor about halfway between the sofa and the, and the kitchen. She just went down to the cold tile floor and started crying. And I thought, okay, cry. Because I was done. I was done. My self-respect meant more to me than her sadness. And she had brought it on herself. And she had not done anything near enough to rectify it and correct the situation. And so I figured, okay, well, it's just going to happen again. And I'm not, no, I'm done. You're gone. You're gone. That's it. Bye. She'd been there about three weeks. And... She stayed on the floor and cried. Uh, I don't know that she ever went to the bathroom. I did not see or hear her eat. She just stayed on the floor, usually curled up, no blanket, no anything. She stayed there for 20 hours. Now, that's a hard thing for a guy to watch, especially if you get some kind of starts of feelings for someone. 
especially if they're drop-dead gorgeous. Um, the heck is that? Well, stand by. Okay, our, our little production booth up here on top of this building is about as, you know, controlled as a construction site or inside of a country western bar, you know. <laughs> There's no, nobody else lives up here, uh, way over on the other side of the roof, but not around us. But I swear to God, they will find reasons to come hang around my door. I don't know what the hell. I don't know what the hell. hell I, I attract the loonies. I do. I do. Uh, some people do. Okay, so I watched this play out for 20 hours on the floor. I went to bed. I went to sleep. Uh, she stayed out there on the floor, quietly sobbing. How much fortitude does it take for a guy to watch that and not intervene? It's quite a bit. I've been through a, really, a lot of really rough shit in life, and I'm fairly hard and fairly cold. But that was tough for me to just let that play. But every time I started thinking, okay, okay, oh, oh, okay, okay, let's try it. Let's try it again. Come on, let's give it one more try. Every time I started to think that, I would flick right back to her crazy hour. And I think, no, 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 no. Ain't going through that again. No, no, not in this lifetime. No. <sighs> okay, so at the end of 20 hours, she got up off the floor. She went to one of the bar stools. And I realized she wasn't going to pack anything. So I started going around and, and just very gently started packing a little bit of her stuff. Just putting it in little piles on the sofa, you know, so she could get at it, stuff like that. And she noticed that I was doing that. And she wouldn't help, she wouldn't do anything. And uh, she just sat there at the bar stool, slumped over the bar, the breakfast bar. Um, just quietly sobbing. And I still wanted her out. That's how bad her psychotic episode was. It was bad shit. Bad shit. So I packed up the stuff of hers that was easy for me to get out. I don't know where she had, you know, squirreled away a bunch of other shit, but, um, I got done with that. I went back in the bedroom and laid down. And she just stayed out there, slumped over the bar. Now, I told you that I had been married 40 years less one day. My wife died. I have had the sense, probably imagined, I had the sense all these years since then that she was hanging around 
messing with my life. <laughs> um, lots of guys feel that. How many of them are correct? Maybe none at all. You know, we have amazing subconscious subconsciences and imaginations. They're amazing. They're just, they, they will convince, of, uh, convince us of anything they want. Uh, and I had a pretty strong sense that something like that was going on. So after a while of laying down, something told me, look, just go out there. Show her a tiny little bit of compassion. We don't have to take her in. Just show her a little bit of compassion because she's alone now. Her, her family was shit. She had never had a, a Falang boyfriend before. She had only had shitty Thai boyfriends. She didn't want anything to do with any of them. Her, she had a couple of siblings. They were not close. Uh, and this voice in my head just said, go out there and talk to her. Just, just talk. For, just talk for a minute. You know, try to, try to ease some of this searing pain that apparently she was feeling. And so I did. And I went out there. And I talked to her just for a minute. So I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, you know you have to go. Yes, I know. And then another voice came into my head, very clear, crystal clear. And it said, quote, you're going to let her stay. And I thought, really? Who said that? I'll punch you. You know, what the hell? What the hell? What are you doing? And it was probably about 10 seconds later, I told her she could stay. Okay. And of course, she was very happy and, uh, you know, she, you know, sobbing, I'll try to do better, you know, and, and I'll try to be nice, you know. But I'm not nice, really, I'm not nice, but I'll try, you know, for you, I'll try. Okay, on and on like that. All right, so she got to stay. We went around, I took her all over the damn place. We traveled Thailand back and forth, up and down, motorbikes and buses and planes and every kind of way there was. We traveled everywhere. I met her family, became somewhat close-ish with her family. Uh, they weren't much. Um, it's about in the, about in that time period I started getting sick, and I mentioned that before. I got sick from the aspirin that some U.S. doctor had prescribed for me, like I don't know, ten, twelve, fourteen years later, uh, earlier, something like that. Aspirin just ate out my my insides, and I was in the hospital ten times in one year. Uh, really sick sometimes, near death a couple of times very near death, one time, needed six units of blood. And during all this time, all the fighting that we had, and, and, and this kind of irrational, insane, psychotic fighting continued. Oh, God. 
most trying experience of my life. I never had a girlfriend that bad. Never in my life. Not even remotely close. Not even 10%. She was 10 times worse than any girlfriend I had ever had in my life. And I, I, I had a few bitches. Everybody has. Um, all that time I was sick, all those times I was sick, Sometimes I was in there five, six days in the hospital. And she, if there was a place for her to sleep, she slept in the room every minute of every time I was in there. Uh, if the bed was big enough, she would sleep in the bed with me. She would take care of every single need I had. If there was no place for her to sleep, she slept on the floor next to me on the, on the floor under my bed. Now, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. You can't put on that kind of an act. At some point, you just say, well, honey, i got to go home for a few days. You know, you're going to be okay, right? If it's not a real thing, um, you're going to do that eventually. You're going to start cutting corners on your, on your care of your, you know, loved one. She didn't. Not once. Not ever. Not ever. If she thought the nurses were doing something bad or wrong or making a mistake, by God, she was on them like a goose on a worm. It was really pretty embarrassing sometimes. I had to get her to calm down, calm down, calm down. She was a firebrand. Okay. Really smart. Now, I have led you through this long story, and, and there's a hundred, five hundred times more to it than this. But the point I was trying to establish is that we had a pretty intense history together. And she was as honest as any girl I ever knew, as honest as my wife. Now is where your education comes in. Grasshopper. <laughs> I woke up one morning. We'd been together a number of years. I had bought her motorbikes and I bought her everything you could possibly buy a girl. By this time, I acknowledged even to my hard, cold rock of a self. Yeah, you love her, dumbass. You're you really, really stupid. Yeah, but you do love her. Okay. You can love, uh, I don't know, a cobra, I guess. I don't know. I guess you can. Some guys do. And I and, and, and I always wondered, okay, you dumb asses loving a, a cobra. Why, why don't you just walk out? Because I've wit witnessed this a thousand times in my life. Why don't you just, you know, nothing is worth this. Walk out. Walk. Now. I'll help you. You know. I'll, I'll take you right now. You can stay with me. Come on. And they virtually never would do it. Well, I finally learned why. It's because they loved them. They loved the Satan that they were saddled with. Okay, so that was us. You you want to see fire and ice? Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, so I woke up one morning. Just a normal, nondescript day. And... She had been out shopping. 
And she came home just about the time I was waking up and she wanted to show me some new clothes she bought. It was really pretty stuff. She had a really good sense of style. Most Thai girls are, are really good about style. They're good about looking good. They know how to. Um, a lot of other nationalities, not so much. But Thais got it. They got it. They, they're, they're almost French in that regard. Um, and I, I knew she didn't have any money. And I said, oh, okay, well, you bought all these clothes, you know. Clothes in Thailand are pretty cheap, but they still cost something. And she probably had, um, you know, two or three thousand baht worth of clothes. That'd be about a hundred bucks, you know, probably. And I didn't think too much about it. And I usually gave her pretty much anything she wanted. You know, she could come to me for cash anytime she wanted. I never asked her to work. I did help her start two businesses. Well, I didn't help her. I bought them, paid for them, got them going. So she had a little bit of money. At, at, at that particular time, neither of them had opened yet. So she had no income from those. But I had already bought into them for her. Uh, so anyway, I got up in the morning, and, and, and she went through this thing, dancing around, showing me the clothes. Okay, that's nice. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, you're hot. You know, and whatever. And I showered, got my pants, put them on, and reached in my pockets to sort of arrange stuff, you know, my keys, my phone, my wallet. And oh, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, what, is, what the hell is this shit? Um, my wallet is usually quite fat, and it goes in my pocket a certain way, only a certain way, ever, my entire life, entire life, never changed. And on this day, it was upside down. And I thought, well, that's uh, really quite odd, isn't it? Huh. How the hell could that have happened? And I thought, well, you know, maybe she was horsing around over by the clothing and she knocked my pants off. The wallet fell out. She didn't know how to put it back in. And so she just put it back in whatever way she could. And I, I just let it go. I thought about that for a while, you know, an hour or something like that. And uh, it bugged me. It, it just, I couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't get rid of that thought. Like, how? How could this have happened? So I finally confronted her and said, hey, um, did you take my wallet out of my pants for any reason? No, never. I never touch your wallet. I never would touch your wallet. So the notion that she dropped my pants and the wallet fell out and she put it back in wrong, okay, well, that's gone. And I opened the wallet trying to figure out, you know, could there be anything missing? Well, I don't know, hell, there's probably, God, I don't even know, probably five, ten, maybe even 15,000 baht in there. Uh, if there's two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight thousand baht missing, I would never know it. Um... And it just continued to wear on my tiny reptilian brain. And I thought, you know, I've always trusted her. I, I've never known her to steal anything at all, because usually you get a sense of it. You know, after a couple of years, you get a sense of it, you know. And I watch things pretty closely. And I watch Thai girls really closely. But 
this thing with my wallet had happened. And it finally dawned on me. I thought, oh, oh wait, let's just get to the bottom of this. And she was off somewhere. We had a really, really big place. She was off somewhere, you know, half acre away somewhere. And I pulled up the footage on the security cameras. I had two security cameras in that bedroom. We, we had them all over the place because in Thailand, you're going to be ripped off. That's all there is to it. Uh, security cam cameras aren't going to stop them, but, you know, if it's somebody known to you, you're probably going to be able to figure that out anyway. So I had I had probably 12 or 15 security cameras in, in that entire complex thing. So I pulled up the footage for the first one, and, uh, and I knew about the time this had to have happened because the other part of this that I didn't mention was I had gotten up to go to the bathroom at one point in the night, and my pants were uh, positioned a certain way on a clothes rack. And then like two or three hours later, I got up, or that's when I did get up, and the pants were in a pretty completely different position. So I knew that like this two or three hour window that whatever happened, happened within that window. So I started going through the footage on camera one and uh, lo and behold, two and a half hours were missing. The footage wasn't even there. I thought, what, what the hell? I looked at all the other cameras. They're all working. They recorded all night. They re everything records 24-7. But, but the, the, this one had stopped. So I pulled up camera number two. Same thing. That one had stopped. Huh? And so now I'm starting to think. Really, pretty seriously think. Um, and I brought her in, said, Hey, uh, I just went through the footage on these cameras and, uh, and the, the time, the only time that these, these pants could have been moved, both cameras are shown blank. They were, they, they, they show no footage at all. Oh yeah. I, I didn't mention to you. Um, when I come out of the shower in the morning, um, I don't like to have those cameras on, so I turned them both off. And then after I was all dressed and everything, I turned them both back on. You know, plausible deniability, kind of. The weird thing was that I had not the slightest indicator that she had ever stolen a, a butt. Not one satang in those years, years. And she had been totally honest with every every money thing she had ever done for me, totally down to the sting. Uh, I thought, what the hell, this is not adding up. And then you had the fact that she had bought all this clothing And then you got kind of a case. You got a circumstantial case. Um, I had no choice but to let it go, but I watched her like a hawk from that moment onward. And I think she figured out that I was. And not 
I was going to say not another Satang ever came up missing. Well, it didn't. No money ever came up missing. But when I was getting ready to leave Thailand and, and leave her, we, we had talked that, you know, well, maybe someday you can come to my new country wherever I go, you know. But she, she pretty much knew the, the jig was up, you know, she wasn't going to come. Um, I was selling everything. I had a five-story double shop house and it was full it was full I, it, it would to move everything out of there was probably at least bare minimum 15 big trucks that's the amount of shit that i had collected and a lot of it was photography gear lots and lots but probably one or two whole trucks could have been nothing but photography gear so i was having her sell all this stuff and keep a third which i thought that was a good deal and she was really, really, really good at selling stuff. And she would get the very best prices. And so she did that for quite a long time. It took like six months to even whittle that mess down. God, it was just sickening. And I never knew her to cheat me on a single bot. But quite a number of things went missing. And I, I would say, hey, hey, by the way, what did what, what, you ever get for uh, this this camera piece? You know, what'd you, how much you get for that? Oh, I don't know. I never saw that. I never saw that before. Well, that would be something that we had talked about, you know, a, a week or three weeks before, you know. I said, yeah, 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 look, it was sitting. It, it always sat on the shelf right here next to this thing. It always sat. Now it's gone. What, what happened to that thing? I don't know. I, I never saw that thing before. Okay, so there were quite a few instances of that. So, did that convict her? Well, it ramped it up to 99% sure that she was dishonest. As far as I knew, she never had any other history of it. I knew her family quite well. Your brother quite well. Nobody had ever mentioned to me ever that she had ever stolen anything at all. Um, except one thing, she was about seven. She had stolen something. It was a little bit of money out of the kitchen jar or something like that. She went and bought some candy or something. I can't remember. Something like that. And her mother caught her and her mother actually chained her to a tree outside actually chained her to a tree and beat her to such a degree that the neighbors had to come and rescue her and she had a big scar down her lip from where the mother had uh, knocked open seriously knocked open her lip and it never healed so you know, every kid steals a nickel sometimes. I did. I think once. Yeah, once. Uh, so, so that didn't, you know, that didn't mean she was necessarily a thief. Anyway, the point is that it almost doesn't matter how much you trust someone, how much of a life you have with them, how much history you have with them, how much you have watched them. Southeast Asian girls... 
very, very, very often are dishonest. And that's, that's, you know, like tonight's lesson. How many stories do I have like that? Too many to even count. I'll, I'll cover more of them later. But, um, that was a good starter story for you. Uh, I hardly know a guy in Southeast Asia who hasn't had that trouble. Not sure I do know any guys who have not had that trouble. They're probably guys who claim they didn't have that trouble, but they didn't know. They never caught them, never figured it out. Uh, a lot of guys are not naturally suspicious. You know, they just would have turned the wallet right way up and gone about their lives, you know. Never, never thought about it at all. Uh, I, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, you just got to be careful. She, one thing she did do that I always thought was a little odd, she would school me pretty often on Sometimes I'd take some credit cards out of my pocket at night, lay them on the counter, on, on, the, on the dresser or whatever. And she would say, hey, no, 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 you, you shouldn't do that because, you know, you, you cannot trust a Thai girl. You should not leave your cards out where they can just pick them up like that. No, 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 no you can't do that. And I thought, well, what, 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 what are you saying? You know, I got to worry about you. Uh, and I never took it that way, but later I began to. Now, Guys want to know, this was the original question, guys want to know ways they can trick girls to see if they really love you or if they're going to steal your money. Um, one of the best ways I know of, very best ways, well, there's a couple of ways, one, one of the really good ones, if you got them living with you or they're over at your house every day or whatever like that, you take small amounts of bills or even change. Change might be better, bills or change, whatever. Um, and you count it exactly, exactly, you know, right down to the peso, how much is there. And you write it down on a, on a, on a piece of paper and you stick it in your wallet and you leave it out someplace where it looks like you just haphazardly just, you, you just tossed it there. You just forgot it there. You know, maybe five, 10 bucks something like that. doesn't matter. 50 bucks, hundred bucks, whatever, small bills, small bills, small change. And you just leave it laying around. And you don't talk about it. You don't access it. Nothing. It's like, oh, you just forgot about it. You know, maybe maybe slip it behind something on a counter where she can still see it. But it's not obvious, you know. And then after a few days or a week, you count it. And if there's one bot missing, he's out. Doesn't matter. She cries for 20 hours on the floor. She's fucking out. Because she'll do it again. And again. And maybe she'll hit you really, really big. So that's one way. You beat him. I'm sorry if it sounds harsh. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're supposed to know if you love them, if they love you. You're supposed to feel it in your heart. Well, Bullshit. Across the cultural 
chasm between east and west, you're not, you can't read them. You don't know. You cannot read them. And now take advantage of that. They know that. Another way, if you want to know if they're accessing some certain room that they're not supposed to when you're gone, even for an hour, you take a teeny tiny little piece of paper and you, yeah, you will take any piece of paper and you, and you tear off a little corner. You know, it's about half the size of your, your, your fingernail or a quarter of the size of your finger, just a little teeny tiny piece of paper. And you hold it onto the top of a door near the knob, not near the hinge. And you just put it up there. And then you very slowly and carefully close the door. And if she or anybody else, you know, her kids, whatever, if, if, if that person goes in that room, they open that door, that little teeny tiny piece fleck of paper flies out, they're never going to notice it. If they do notice it, they're not going to have any idea what it's for. And then so you, when you go back to check it, you get a little stool, you go up there, you look, you very slowly and carefully open that door, you see if that little piece of paper is still there. If you look around, you'll find it on the floor. That's another way. Um, another way is to have them buy stuff for you and then count the change when they come back. And I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. This is not very um, love-like. But you're in a whole nother universe now. You're, you're, you're not home in Kansas, you know. You're living in the land of vipers. And you don't understand that. You won't. Some, some, so many of these guys never understand it. After 10 years, 15 years, they still don't understand it. The smart ones get it. Two to three years. They learn, they watch, and they learn, and they think, and they get it. And what happens to a lot of these guys, which is what has happened to me, is that they become so distrustful and so jaded that um, they don't really want anything to do with Southeast Asian girls anymore. They've been ripped off too many times. I met a girl, Thailand, and... Uh, she wasn't very attractive, but I didn't care. We, we talked well, we got along, and uh, we saw each other every day for, I don't know, a couple of weeks. She didn't really have a good place to stay. She had the typical shit room, no air conditioning. So she started staying more and more at my place. Um... After a while, pretty, pretty soon she had moved in there. After a while, after several months, how many months? Maybe four or five months. Um, she decided she wanted to go see her mom up in uh, up by uh, Chiang Rai. 
And I thought, well, okay, that's, that's good, you know, because these girls need their moms. They need their families. They're supremely family-oriented. They can't live without their families. Their, their families are like oxygen to them. They must have time with their families. They must. And if you ignore that, you're, you're going you're, you're gonna to kill their soul and then kill the relationship. So let them see their families. Help them, encourage them. They have to spend time with their families, especially if you've taken, taken them out of the country. They're a fish out of water in, in some Western country, and most of them hate it. They think it's going to be, you know, Emerald City. No, it's going to be shit. And they hate it. And they got to get back and eat some rice and sit on the floor and talk to their families and play with the dogs. And, you know, they have to. It's part of their soul. So anyway, this girl wanted to go see her mom. So uh, I gave her enough money, quite a bit of money, so she could travel comfortably, you know, on the really good bus. And uh, good food, you know, give a little bit to her mom like that. Plenty of money to come back. So she planned for, I don't know, three, four or five days, something like that, and got her stuff ready, and then it was time for her to go. And oh, she loved me, loved me, loved me so much. Oh my God, I'd given her a life, you know. She kept, every day she would say, thank you for making me happy. Okay, you're welcome. And we had a good relationship. We ran around all over the place and we laughed and played and played tag and carried her around on my shoulders and rode motorbikes together and went to the beach and ate. We were pretty good together. So, the day came for her to go see her mom. She was going to be gone a couple of weeks. And um, she got her little suitcases and stuff, and I helped her carry them down to, uh, to the lobby. Cab showed up. She got in the cab, kissed me, kissed me, kissed me. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Oh, I miss you so much. And she's crying. Gets in the cab, and just immediately, within a few minutes, uh, the pictures start flooding in. This is me in the cab. Now I go to the bus station. Um, this is me. This is I buy my ticket. You know, click, click, click picture. Um, okay, this is me. I'm sitting here. I'm waiting for my bus. These are the buses, you know. Oh, this is me. My bus is here now, and I, I'm getting on the bus, you know. Here's my luggage, and like that. And... And then she got on the bus, and it was a, incredibly, it was like 15 hours or something up to uh, Chiang Rai. Long, miserable trip, even on a good bus. Probably should have just flown. Um, and she's clicking every hour. You know, there was a period of time she was sleeping, couldn't click. But she's clicking, 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 you know, this uh, this is, uh, these are the mountains, you know, this is the traffic, and look, I see some buffaloes, you know, like that, all the way, all the way, all the way. And she gets off the bus, pictures of her family meeting her. And I thought, okay, that's good. I don't have to worry about her. She's with her family. They can go commune, you know. And she gets to her house. There's pictures of her house and mom and the dog. She's so, so happy to see the dog, you know, little brother, little sister like that. And uh, then I guess she went to sleep. 
in the same time zone, so she would have gone to sleep probably, and I would have gone to sleep about the same time. I got up in the morning, and uh, I was alone, so I thought, well, I'll go to this restaurant and I'll get an omelet. And uh, so I hoofed it, you know, a mile, something like that, over to this restaurant. Um, walked in, looking around for a table. And there she was, sitting there holding hands with her Thai boyfriend. I'm trying to save your soul here. I am. I've seen too many guys fall in love here and when, not if, when they get treated like this, they step off their 34th floor balcony because they, they, they just can't take it. They can't believe that any world could be so dishonest. They can't believe it. They've never seen it before, not in Kansas. Not even in New York City. Never seen anything like this. And she saw me, her eyes went wide. She tried to jerk her hand back. Boyfriend didn't see me. She tried to hang on to it. I turned and was out of there before she even could get over to me. And I uh, went back home. Told the guards downstairs uh, in the lobby she's not allowed. Okay, no problem. And it was just a short time later. No, no, actually it was an hour later, about an hour later. They probably went and fucked somewhere. Uh, she showed up, couldn't get in, started sending me messages. And I said, okay, you give me five minutes. I'm, I'm uh, boxing up your stuff. And... I said, by the way, I loaned you, I didn't give you, I loaned you a really nice iPhone and I want that iPhone back. So when I come down with your stuff, uh, you give me the iPhone, I'll give you your stuff, all your clothing, everything you own. No, no, I want to keep the iPhone. You got one more chance, girl, one more chance. I'm going to tell you the deal. It's going to be take it or leave it. I want my iPhone. You get your stuff. Take it or leave it right now. Now I want the iPhone. Locked. Never saw her again. I gave her belongings to uh, whatever other girls, you know, had sisters who wanted clothing or whatever. Um, are you digesting this? Because this is reality. In Thailand especially, um, is it the same in all the other countries? Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, the Philippines has a higher incidence. This is the weirdest thing. The Philippines has a higher incidence of really, really good girls. It has the highest incidence of any country I've been in, with a possible exception of Myanmar, Burma. Um, I don't know. Malaysia has some possibilities, too. But the Philippines is kind of an enigma in that 
they have more really, really, really good girls than the other countries, but they have more truly, truly, horrendously bad, evil girls also. Um, you know, we, we've got that thing that we always say, uh, tie girls for fun. You don't take them seriously. You don't. Pie. Pie girls for marriage. Okay, pie is, it just stands for Philippines. Tie girls for fun. Pie girls for marriage. Um, your odds of finding a good girl in the Philippines are going to be much, much higher than they are in Thailand or most other countries. Thailand could possibly be the worst. They're the most duplicitous females I've ever come across. And it's a hard lesson. If you have to learn this lesson on your own without somebody, you know, as your bodyguard taking you through this stuff daily, hourly, um, it's going to be hard, hard, hard lessons. It, and they were for me. I was not a stupid guy when I went there. I, I had more experience with girls than most. The, the years before I was married, I was uh, stupidly active, stupidly active. And I had lived on Indian reservations in uh, Canada and Alaska. Indigenous girls, I knew what they were like. Native girls, I knew what they were like. I married one. Uh, that lasted uh, two years. Um, You're going to get screwed in Thailand. You're going to get screwed in Philippines also, unless and until you learn how to figure out how to get the good ones, and we will cover that. I don't know how to find good ones in Thailand. I don't know how. It's just luck. It's just dumb luck. Now, here's a possibility in Thailand, and I've, and I've used this quote-unquote service a few times. There are women who are usually salty, old mamasans, old, retired, done. And they know girls. They know girls backwards and forwards. They know Thai girls. And they will offer to find you a quote-unquote good girl for some finder's fee. Usually not too much. And you tell them, okay, it's a deal. They will start interviewing girls for you. And they will weed the dishonest, satanic bitches from the possible keepers. They will do it. They're good at it. They know these girls. They have instinct for these girls. They understand them. Uh, they can see right through them like x-rays. And so they would interview these girls. And uh, they saw the slightest little indicator that these girls were shit. You're gone. You're gone. Cold. 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 And then usually they would get two or three that they thought, well, these, these, these girls might be okay. And they would call me up and they say, come on, come on over. Let's have some, uh, let's have a little lunch, you know, out on the patio. And so I'd show up and walk in and she'd have a little lunch made. And uh, every single girl that, that this one lady ever came up with was just Stunningly unattractive. Stunningly. 
uh, and I just couldn't get out of there fast enough. And so we had some number of meetings like that. Every single one, there was there was no there was no uh, exception. They were all just shockingly unattractive. Now I know a guy. And he was a really good friend. I was a commercial diver, and so was he. Uh, he did bigger stuff than I ever did. I did some fairly big stuff. I raised 131 shipwrecks. I don't know what all he did, but he did a lot of shit. And he, he was bigger than I was in that industry. Anyway, we got along really well. Really well. God. And I won't tell his name. And he had a big business still in the industry of commercial diving. Um, he had a lot of money. And his business was big and it was successful, would have stayed successful forever and ever. And he had gone through the same bullshit that I had gone through in Thailand. This guy wasn't in Thailand. He was a Brit. Now I bash Brits mercilessly, but I've told you before, the Brits that are the plague of Thailand and Southeast Asia have a particular accent and I don't know what that accent is, but they all have the same one. I suspect that Brits know what that accent is. And I suspect that the real Brits hate them as much as everybody else hates them. Probably don't even consider them to be real Brits. I don't know. But anyway, this guy was a Brit. He was a good one. Good one. Good one. In every possible way. But he didn't have that accent. He didn't have that horrible, shitty accent that the, uh, that the sex pats all have in Southeast Asia. So anyway, he had been through the same ringers that I had been through with girls in lots of different countries. And he was sick and tired of it. And one day he thought, aha, I got it. I know the secret. I know how to avoid this again and again and again and again and again. And his solution was to never go anywhere near an attractive girl. He would only seek out and woo pretty much the ugliest ones he could find. <laughs> you know, just a, a little spider-looking girls or something, you know. I mean, that's, that's the only ones he would even talk to. And I watched that for years, and I thought, oh, well, maybe he's onto something here. That's pretty cool. Makes perfect sense, you know. Um, and so he, st he found one, and he stayed with her. I thought, yeah, yeah, he married her. He married her. Um, I don't know if they had any kids or not. I'm not sure. And I never knew her, really. She was around every time I went over to visit. And, you know, I just never really talked to her. Um, and then he, he had a long-standing physical... Um, problem, some kind of long-standing illness. And I don't know what it was, and I never met anybody who knew what it was, but his health was deteriorating over many years. Uh, speculation was that he had breathed too many exotic mixes of gas while doing really deep dives. I have no idea if that was true or not. Um, But he got sicker and sicker. 
And then when he was at a point where he was, you know, fairly significantly weakened, he got COVID. And everybody's like, oh, Jesus, you know, this guy wouldn't have any luck at all if it wasn't for bad luck. And he got COVID. And his lungs were screwed up from a lifetime of diving. Probably various exotic gas mixes, although we never knew. Um, and COVID attacks the lungs. And if, if your lungs are weak, then COVID's like, oh, happy days are here. And he ended up in the hospital. And then he's in the ICU. And then he's damn stinking sick. And I'm texting to him like every hour or two all the way through this. I'm thinking, man, come on, come on. And, and, and I had all this really stupid harebrained anecdotal crap, you know, that I had gotten off of Google about, you know, try this and try that, you know, drink a quart of bleach, you know, that'll fix you. That was Trump's idea. I tell you, you know, that wasn't my idea, but I, I was, I was just throwing every harebrained thing I could think of at him to try to get him through this COVID. And a lot of us thought, well, you know, this just probably isn't going to work out for you. But after, I don't know, like three weeks, I think, it did work out for him. He kicked it. He kicked it. He beat it. And he got all done. COVID's gone. He's fine, except for his old underlying illness, whatever the hell it was. And the hospital sent him home. Everybody sighed relief. Wow. Wow, you dodged the bullet there. Wow, we are proud of you, you know. Come on now, let's get you back to 100%, you know. Everybody rallied around him. And he went on like that for, I believe, about three weeks more. And then he just started going downhill again. It wasn't COVID this time. It was just the COVID probably had weakened his underlying illness, whatever the hell. I don't know. But, the, but this underlying thing was, was slowly killing him anyway. So it might have been just that the underlying thing, you know, had run its course and it was just time for it to, to make its last move. You know, that could, have be, could be what it was. And he ended up in the hospital again. And I'm texting to him every, well, we're, he was pretty good at texting, even though he's in the ICU and he's, he's really sick, but he was pretty good at texting. He just kept texting, kept texting. He's a really logical, uh, analytical kind of guy. And so we're discussing this and discussing that and discussing this and discussing that. What, what can we try? Can we do this? Can we, you know, what's going on? He never would tell me what the illness was. Uh, and then finally, one day I woke up and, and I was just totally shocked because they'd intubated him. The survival rate of, uh, survival rate of being intubated was something like 9%. You know, it was just effed. It was horrible. It was, it was tragic. It was really sad. So once you got intubated, you know, things were not looking good for you at all. And we all, um, you know, just sort of descended into sadness, like, man, really, really, you beat the COVID. Now this other shit thing, whatever it is, really? Okay, so he's texting along and he's telling me he's scared. 
He's telling me he's scared. And I'm saying, geez, what can I do? You know, I, I'll come there right now. I'll bash down the door of the ICU. I don't care. What do you need right now? What do you need? I'll do anything. What do you want? And he just didn't have any ideas. And the doctors didn't have any ideas. And and then like a day or two later, he said, well, the doctors just left and they, they had the talk with him. They said, palliative, palliative care. That's all we get left for you. Well, that means you're going to die. There's nothing they can or will do anymore to try to treat your your core illness, whatever. They're just going to try to make you comfortable. They're going to start drugging you up. That's it. Palliative care. That's it. You're done. Might as well. That's that's when you call hospice in the U.S., you know, because you're done. You're done. And he, he was crying. He was crying about that. Sent me a picture of himself crying. Made me cry. Still does. I can't stand to look at that picture. The fear in his eyes was palpable. He was a youngish guy. Got his whole life ahead of him. Good life. Good life ahead of him. So, finally, he declared that he was done with hospitals. He'd done with doctors. Just give him a bag of meds and let him go home. He just wanted to die at home. That's all. It's the only thing he had left that he wanted. So he went home. They sent him home. And he languished another, I'm not even sure, a couple of days, three days, maybe. Yeah, maybe something like that. And then he, uh, he was asking all of his friends for some way to help him go more quickly because he knew he was done. And nobody could help him, of course, because you can't. Lots of people I've known have known this all your life, all their life, that you, 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 nobody can help you. Nobody is going to help you get poisoned because they're going to trace it back to them and they're going to go to prison. You know, nobody's going to do this as much as they might want to help ease your passing. They're not going to. They're not going to prison. But then, and, and they understand that. Everybody understands that for their whole life. But then when it gets to that point, when it, when it gets time for that to happen, so many of these guys, even my own father, the hospital, the docs, whatever, they, they've given them all the meds. They're, they're, they're comfortable. They're not in any pain. They're, 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 they're okay. They're slipping, slipping. They're okay. But they just want to go more quickly. They just want to get it over with. So they start asking and then begging their friends, family, to go get something, go find something. They don't care what it is. Give it to them. Inject it if you have to. Just give it to me and let me die now. I don't want to lay here three more days. Just come on, help me, please. You know, oh God, that's hard. God, that's hard. And every once in a while, some poor bugger, you know, ends up in prison because he couldn't take the stress of that. And he does it and the courts, you know, treat it like, like the courts are the courts are the courts, you know. They're goddamn village idiots. Village idiots. Sorry, they are. Uh, you know, maybe he'll get 25 years in prison. You know, maybe it's some 68-year-old guy who helped his wife pass along. And because he didn't kill her during a robbery, he killed her during a moment of compassion. Because he did it that way, he gets 25 years, you know, instead of 34 years, you know, like that. 
that, that's a that's that's what the courts will cut you because they're fucking morons. I'm sorry, they are some of the dumbest people on earth in, in the U.S. courts, Western courts. Period. Okay, so anyway, nobody would help him. Nobody could help him. I wanted to help him. Everybody wanted to help him. Nobody could. So he passed. And his friends were as good friends as anybody could ever ask for. And his wife was utterly clueless about what to do with his business. All kinds of money all over the place in banks and everywhere. Equipment, machinery, everything. Um, he left her enough money to support who, her through in, in, in really nice style through the next four or five lifetimes. All she had to do was let it be invested wisely. Set for life. For life. Several lives. So what'd she do? This is the one that he chose because she was unattractive and he thought, okay, if I get an ugly one, I'll get a good one. That was his reasoning. He told me that 50 times. All she did, his friends moved in and they, and they started li liquidating stuff all very proper and very carefully and getting the very best prices and doing everything above board. And they, they were good guys, good guys, good friends. And all she ever wanted to know was how much is going in my account today. And she wasn't investing in stocks. She was investing in the casinos. So as things began to liquefy and get transferred around into her account, she'd get large sums. I don't know what the sums were, but they were large very large, some of them very large. And it would it would finally, you know, arrive in her account, one a day, two a day, three a day, whatever. Various random times, random amounts. And she just took them, went straight to the casinos. And it took, uh, as I recall, it took maybe a couple of weeks. No, maybe more, maybe a month for that all to play out for everything to get liquidated. Uh, she could have kept the business running and just hired somebody to manage it. But she didn't. She only wanted to go to the casino. Online casinos or physical, uh, illegal back alley casinos, whatever, it didn't matter. Any kind of, any kind of gambling. This is a big thing with, with Thai girls, particularly. Um, so it took about a month, I think, give or take, for all, everything to get liquidated, put into her accounts, into her account. And pretty much as fast as it came in, it went out. Fast as she could gamble it away. So at the end of a month, or I heard that she wasn't completely broke for like two or three months. But I don't know. I wasn't privy to her finances. Um... And then it was gone. Business was gone. 
Everything was gone. Savings gone. All accounts zero bought. Or zero, zero, whatever the currency was there. Um, so his plan to marry an ugly one thinking he'd get a good one, you know, kind of sort of automatically, uh, didn't work out. He might as well have just married a beautiful one. Had the same luck, probably. Probably the only thing she didn't do was sleep around because she never got the opportunity. So that, you know, that might have saved him, you know. That, that might have, he might have dodged that bullet by choosing as he did. Okay, this has been a really a dark and ugly episode. It has to be. Because if you go down there, go down here, um, start mucking around. You don't take my advice. You don't go get chemically castrated before you come. <laughs> you think I'm joking about that shit. No, I'm not. I'm not. You know, if it's reversible, I say, oh, God, yes, do it. Oh, God, yes, do it. I don't know anything about it. I don't know if it's reversible. I, I'm thinking maybe it, it's not. I don't know. <laughs> but there's got to be something you could take to, you know, neutralize the testosterone. I don't know. It just seems <laughs> like, you know, modern medical science would have come up with something like that. I know the Scandinavians have, have tried chemical castration stuff. You know, go, go talk to the, who would you talk to to find out? Go talk to a regular doctor. I don't know if they'd even know. You got to go talk to somebody who deals with pedophiles because they would know all the possible potential things that could be done to hopeless, shameless pedophiles to try to bring them back in line. I, I don't know. It just seems like there's something that would knock down that testosterone. Knock it down by 90%. You know, your life... All we've done, all of the bad stuff we've talked about for the last 20 episodes, all of it has centered around bad girls. Think about that. Well, bad governments, too. That we're going to talk about that, too. Um, any joy you would find in Southeast Asia, especially in Thailand, is going to be almost completely negated by bad girls. Almost completely. Now, there are a few guys. Okay, here, let's, let's cover this last one point, and then I'm done. Um, for all the time that I was in Thailand, and all times I went back and back and back, and all the other countries I was in, too, I would canvas guys because I was generally interested, in, and I still am to a degree. I would say, do you know anyone who is happy with their Southeast Asian girlfriend slash wife? And if so, how happy? What percent? I would ask every guy that I possibly could at parties, at, at everywhere, sitting in parks. And they would think for a minute and they'd say, huh, you know, let's see. Huh. Huh. And, and they'd think and they'd, they'd go through their, their roster of friends Almost every single one of them said, um, no, I don't know any guys who are happy. I said, well, do you know any guys who are 80%? No. 60%? No. 
30%, well, a few. That's as good as it got. Now I know one, let's see, I know one guy who claimed he was perfectly happy. He'd been married for about 10 years, Thai girl. And then the really odd thing was he met her as a, as a singer in Singapore. Now, I have always stayed strictly away from any girl in any entertainment venue, period. I don't care what they're doing. It's bad news. But he got this one. Took her out of the bar, I guess, wherever she was singing. And married her. Had a couple of kids. He had a lot of money. And as far as I could ever tell, she was happy enough. And he was quite happy. You know, she was beautiful and he was ugly, so I don't know. Um, the only guys that I know who said, yeah, they, they know a couple other guys who had really good luck with their Southeast Asian girls. And I, and I was like, okay, what, what's the common denominator there? What, why are these guys happy? And every single one of them would say, because, why are the girls happy? Because the guys have really, really, really a lot of money and they just showered them with it. And they knew that they would never ever find another guy who would give them even remotely that much money again. And they didn't want to lose what they had. So they treated their guy right. Not because they loved him. Because they were being bought and paid for. But those guys report, they're pretty happy. But there were just only a very few of those, only a very, very, very few guys had enough money to do that. Because it takes a lot of money for a Southeast Asian girl. A lot of money. They want to live the high life and they want to strut it around the village. They want a couple of houses. They want two or three condos in their name. They want... Uh, SUV or two in their name. They want plenty of freedom to go travel around, visit their girlfriends, their moms, their families, their sisters, and, and, you know, go fuck their boyfriends somewhere. Uh, if they can have a life like that, they will keep their guy pretty happy. Even then, some of the guys end up dumping them. But how many of these guys knew that the girls were keeping them happy just to keep that money flowing? That's a, that's a hard question. Um, it's not something you can really ask a guy, <laughs> you know. Hey, hey, hey Bob, uh, did you know that, um, you know, the girl's being nice to you because you give her a lot of money? You, know, you ever figured that out there, Bob? No, she loves me, truly. If I stopped giving her money today, she would still love me. Uh, Bob, I hate to break this to you. <laughs> Try it. Try it, Bob. See what's going to happen. That's another test you can do if you want to know if a girl loves you. Uh, in the first place, tell them you don't have any money. You only got enough to live on. You know, you, you, got, a, you got a room that's better than their room. But, you know, and maybe if you have to, go rent a room. That's just a little bit better than their room. And that's where you take them 
for, uh, you know, two, three, four months. That's your home. That's, that's all. You only got the money to live there. Okay. And then when you're not together, you go home to your nice condo, you know, which, which she will never know about. At least not, not until you're sure about her. Uh, that's really kind of the gold standard of figuring girls out in Southeast Asia. If they think you haven't got any money, God, you got to be careful because they're clever. I mean, they will go in, try to get a peek at your bank records. They will look at the clothing you wear. Um, they look at the brand of your watch. They're calculating. They're trying to figure out how much money you've really got. And if you can successfully convince them, and it's tricky because you won't know, not necessarily, if you can convince them you don't have very much money and they still love you, bingo, maybe you got something. Now, I've actually had that happen a few times. Uh, usually it was a case where I would make up some story about, oh my God, no, my, my business in America failed. Oh hell, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do now because I just lost, you know, 65% of my money. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, we're going to have to get a cheap room. You know, we can still pay for the room. We're still going to have aircon. We can still eat, you know, like that. But uh, I, I got a really big problem. I don't know if I can fix this problem ever. I'll try, you know, I'll try to figure out some other way to make some more money. But, uh, you know, if, if you want to leave, you can. Cause I, I don't, I don't have money like I used to, you know. God, I'm just heartbroken over this. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is a catastrophe in my life. Okay. You hit it like that. And I've done that. And some of them will say, don't worry. You know, I'll, I'll get a second job. It's okay. We're going to stay together. You know, like that. Even then, you're not 100% sure that they're true blue. They might be. It's an indication they might be. If they just say, oh, geez, I don't know, maybe. Okay, then I, I should go stay with my family because, you know... Uh, I really miss my family and I'm, I'm going to go stay with my family now and uh, we can talk online, you know, and then, and then they're gone. Okay, then that's a good thing for you. It's a good thing. Now, you know, you just saved years of bullshit and heartache. Imagine you get into one of those, you got 2.3 kids and a cat. And you marry them, you got them signed into shit. Jesus. Trick him. Lie to him. Sorry. Sorry. You, you tell him the truth later if you want. Tell him it was a test or just never ever mention it. Um, if they bolt, then you mention it. <laughs> you say, yeah, maybe. Uh, look at this. I lied to you. I got plenty of money. Bye-bye, bitch. <laughs> you know, that's what you do. I'm sorry. You do it. You do it. Um, if they stay with you and then after three, four, five, six months and you start saying, well, you know, I found another business deal in America and, uh, you know, I'm getting a little more money now and it's coming back and I'm, I'm doing a little better now. And, and if they're like, oh, good, that's good news. I, I'm so happy for you, you know, then, okay, maybe, maybe you got something going there. There's about a thousand other psychological tricks you can use. Uh, I don't know that I'll 
I mean, you can go Google it. How to find out if a girl really loves you. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things you can do like that. In Southeast Asia, it's going to depend on, on the money. The money is going to be the, uh, the pivot, pivot point of the whole thing, the, the fulcrum of the whole thing. Okay, so gave you food for thought there, didn't it? You know, really, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you've got to go through these about four times. There's, excuse me, there's transcripts on the, well, let's see, on our site now also there's transcripts. You can read through them. They're, they're, they inject the timestamps between every line or two. It's a real pain in the ass to try to read. Uh, I don't know. They're not going to read like a book. You know, not going to be comfortable to read. But the transcripts are there anyway. If you're not sure about a word or a phrase, if I'm mumbling, you know, you can you can go through it like that. Okay. If you like aliens. Um, we got, we're pushing 300 podcasts on, on, uh, theyclaim.com. Uh, you can go there. Listen about aliens. I are what you call an expert. Remember the old Mythbusters? We are what you call experts. Well, I am what you call expert. <laughs> um, pushing 300 episodes on that. Uh, alrighty, we'd be done. Thank you very much. I hope this was some protein for you. I feel like it was. If you actually listen, the thing you got to guard against is you got you, you got to be careful not to listen to these and and then in the back of your mind you think, oh, I I'd never be that stupid. Well, yeah, you will, and far more stupid too, because they're gonna they're gonna get you. their looks and their charm are going to overwhelm you and you're not, and you're going to lose track of how to think on your feet and they're going to own you, own you. And they have some knacks for doing that. I'll, I'll try to cue you into some of those. So is it worth it to come to Southeast Asia? For the girls? No, 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 it's not worth it. Well, no, with the possible exception of the uh, Philippines. No other country, really. Cambodia girls, Khmer girls, are um, they tend to be a little more rational down to earth than the Thai girls. Um, Myanmar girls, also more down to earth. Laotian girls, I think more down to earth. Pretty, pretty much all of them are more down to earth than the Thai girls. Trouble is, Thailand is where most guys go first. We're going to go into pretty great detail about you know the, the, the two biggest choices you got are Thailand or Philippines. So we're going to we're going to do some huge comparison on those two at some point. Okay, so we'll be done. Thank you very much, and uh, good evening, and, <clears throat> oh, a bug, <clears throat> good night.